God, help us just to settle before you, Father, and just to allow you to peel away the things that aren't of you, God, so we can be more like you. Give us tender hearts. We thank you, God. We thank you that we get to choose to do those things with you. God, that we get to, you get to walk beside us in our journeys. And you can reveal your heart to us continuously. God, that we see more and more of you. We learn more about you, more about your personality. You're such a good father. You're so patient with us. God, we just thank you. We thank you that we get, not that we have to, but we get to be in a relationship with you and to walk alongside of you. We just worship your name. We worship you. We love you, Father. I just see you smiling down on everyone in this room. I can feel your love for each person in this room. God, I thank you that we don't have to perform for you. God, we just... We don't have to act a certain way or say certain words, God. We just love you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for loving us, for dying on the cross for us. We're so honored to be called your friend. your name. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just continue in this posture as we move on. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We have one of the amazing godly women in our church <laughs> coming to share a testimony this evening. Yes. So um, I'd like to welcome Tao. Hi. <laughs> Praise God. Um, I just want to share that. Um, I feel like God put in my heart a few years ago to start a business and uh, I started to look into it but every time I looked into it there was always some type of challenge or barrier about it so I would abandon the thought or the vision but then I started to look into it again this last year but there were so many things that came up that I didn't really want to deal with because there's so much that goes into starting a business. So um, I kindly, kind of worked one thing at a time, and then there was a financial need. 
but I was determined that I wasn't gonna apply for a loan. I wasn't gonna solicit donations. I wasn't gonna try to get sponsors. And I just took it to God and basically just asked him for it. And I told him that if it was his will, that he would provide the need for the vision. He would provide for the vision. And I'm telling you, the answer came so fast. And I thank all of you for praying. And um, Tammy prophesied, I think, on Facebook one time that somebody was about to receive a great financial miracle. And I claimed it <laughs> publicly. <laughs> and uh, I received it. And then I was basically waiting for it. I was preparing for it. I didn't know how, when, where, who, what. But God used, like, a resource that I never would even think to even go ask. They didn't even know my situation. They didn't even know about my business. And I just got a call one day, and I went to go make a visit, and I got to collect all the financial need I needed, like, above and beyond. And, and not only did I get what I thought I was asking for, I didn't realize there were other needs that were going to come up until after God made the provision, things I didn't even think about, but God already knew I was going to need it, so he just provided in advance. So I'm still working on it, but God totally, like, completely provided, like, above and beyond what I was asking for. Yeah? So praise God. Uh, the business that... Um, I'm stepping out to do is like opening up uh, group homes and transitional living houses, like multiple properties. So starting in Kitsap County, not just one house, but multiple houses. Yeah. So praise God for providing for the vision. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you guys can. Whoever wants to come up and and pray, put yeah. your hands on the towel and let's yeah. let's pray. Yeah. So, Father, we just thank you so much for Tao. We thank you that she's stepping out in obedience to you. And, God, we thank you that you're providing for the vision, Father. God, we thank you that she doesn't have to worry about anything. God, that you've got her back. God, you've got the people to come alongside of her, finances, um, houses. God, you've got it all, every, down to the tiniest detail, Father. God, we thank you so much. God, we want to see people transform through this business, God, and we know that they're going to be. We know that they're going to become sons and daughters of you, Father God. God, we just thank you so much. God, I pray protection over Tao and her family. God, that you would um, just surround them and keep them. And God, that you would just continue to knit her and her family tighter. God, that we stand against anything that the enemy might throw her way, and we say no. No. We cancel it out in Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, we thank you for provision for the vision. We just bless your name, Lord. We thank you, Father. And we just bless Tao, God. We just say, fire of God, 
flood her body. Flood, flood, flood. More, God. God, we just ask that you would continue to give her strategic blueprints for this this business, this ministry, that freedom would come. It would just be marked by heaven and that the kiss of heaven would be all over it, that freedom and deliverance would come through this ministry to men and women who are transitioning, God. We thank you that what you have birthed inside of Tao's heart is coming forth. The, the birthing of this ministry, it's coming forth. It's coming out. We just, we agree. We just bless it and we say yes and amen to everything that you're doing, Lord. Thank you, God. Strength, we just declare strength. We release the strength of heaven. Holy Spirit, be the strength of her heart, the shield of her life. Thank you, God. You're so wonderful. You're so good, Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, amen. Awesome. <laughs> Getting a little tipsy there? We're all for that. Okay. Well, Tammy, why don't you talk? You want me to talk? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Sorry. Everyone have a good week. Yes, yes. Good. Awesome. Yay. I'm glad. We're just going to make ourselves at home here. Like I said, a couple weeks in a row now, we just, we went from the living room to this space and we wanted it to feel kind of like the living room. It's just a little more roomy is all. And if you want a social distance, you can, you know, because you don't want to be too close to some people. Some people, you know, might smell funny or something. No, nobody in this room smells funny. You guys all smell like Jesus. You smell like heaven. Yeah, the Bible says that, uh, that we carry the presence of Jesus within us. And to some people, it smells like death to them, but some people, it smells like life. So we, you're an air freshener. Just, you could say it over yourself. I am an air freshener. <clears throat> That's right. In fact, the, the presence of God that you carry because you are an air freshener and you, you release the scent of Jesus everywhere you go, you are a dispenser you were born, you were designed to be a dispenser of heaven. You know, whatever they say, you know, what, what goes in comes out, you are what you eat. You know, and when you, whatever you feed on, if you feed on heaven, you feed on Jesus, you feed on the word of God, you feed on intimacy with him, wanting to know him more. And, and of course, that's what he wants for you. So it's not even a thing that you have to strive for. But it's a pursuit because he's like, yes, this is what I want for you. Pursue me with all your heart because I'm right here running right into your face. What are you laughing at? Oh, okay, okay. I thought maybe I was getting a little wacky over here or something. Okay, okay. No, you're good. Well, awesome. Yeah, so... So pursue whatever you feed yourself, whatever you fill your body and your mind, whatever you take in through your eye gates, your ear gates, all of your senses, the atmospheres that you choose to surround yourself with, that is what will get in you and that is what will get released out of your life. So <laughs> you guys are funny. That's okay. You keep laughing. This is a, this is a safe place for holy laughter. And if it's not holy, well, this room is set apart and holy, so it becomes holy. So we'll just, we'll sanctify it now in Jesus' name. 
Yeah, so I didn't even tell Tammy uh, what we're, I felt led to talk about. So just over the last several weeks, I felt like, so try to put it in a capsule here of our heartbeat. Part of what we are passionate about is seeing sons and daughters of God, believers in Jesus Christ, awakened into their true identity of what Jesus died on the cross to save you to become. So we've talked about this, the seed of heaven that came into your heart the day you said yes to Jesus. The day, having believed, Ephesians 1 says, having believed, you were, you were sealed. You were marked and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So upon faith in Christ, God takes your faith and he, he deposits a seed, a seal inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. And that is what it means to be born again. Holy Spirit comes into like a, like a seed. He comes into your spirit, which is at one time dead towards God, dead towards the things of God. And the, the living, enduring seed, the word of God comes in and it births new life inside of you. So the day that I was on my living room floor and I, I didn't know Jesus, I, I didn't know what to do with my life, but I knew I needed to give him my life. When I said, I don't know how I will ever change, but I surrender to you. I give you my life. I was 20 years old. I was about three months away from my 21st birthday, and believe me, I had plans. When I turned 21 and I had my ID, I was going to party legally. It didn't stop me from partying before, but, you know, I wanted to go to the, to the new places, the, the spaces that are made for 21 and over people to party, the, you know, whatever. I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go into those places and not just drink. I wanted to meet people and hook up and... That's just, that was my passion, the pleasures of the flesh. I was a Satanist. I, I proclaimed the, the satanic belief system as my belief system. That's what I thought was going to make me powerful and strong. I was my own God. And no one was going to tell, tell me, thou shalt, because I was taught that that was my worst enemy. So that book that was a book of lies, the satanic Bible, was telling me that the one in heaven, who says to me in, our word, in the word of God, thou shalt, that book was telling me that he's my worst enemy. What, what a lie. Because that one who says thou shalt has become the savior of my life, the one who brought me back from death. He gave me new life. He, he was birthed. He birthed his spirit into my spirit on my living room floor. And I, I became alive. I was dead and I was birthed into a new life. So the day that you put faith in Jesus, the, the day that you say yes to him, he puts the seed of his spirit inside of you, and baby Jesus is born inside of your heart. The manger of your heart is now like the nativity scene. And the pursuit of the Holy Spirit in your life is to transform you, to make you more and more like Jesus. Not looking like Jesus on the outside. I always joke about that. Women, you don't have to grow a beard. You don't have to, guys, you, Kelly, you should cut your hair finally. No, just, <laughs> you don't have to have long hair and wear sandals and put a tunic on. You, know, you don't have to look like Jesus. You don't have to have a surfboard and have a beard. And, you know, like, the, like the Mormon Jesus, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed one, which was nothing like the real Jesus because he was a Jew and he was dark-skinned, olive-skinned, anyway, and he was very manly. He was not this Jesus that we see on these crosses in Catholic churches sometimes. God bless Catholics, you know, they believe in Jesus, and that's, that's important. But Jesus being the skinny, 
get this guy whose ribs are like, you know, like he's been starving to death for the last 20 years, um, nailed to the cross. That is not Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus looks like right now, just read Revelation chapter 1. He has eyes that are like flames of fire. His face shines brighter than the sun. His body, his, his legs, his feet look like glowing metal in a furnace. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. I don't know, just can you picture that? That just tells me that when he speaks, things change. <laughs> he is the word of God, and when he speaks, the word of God comes forth. Anyway, I'm all over the place right now, but it's our passion as a church to see those of us who have come to know Jesus, that you would experience and you would know and grow into all that he died for you to be. He calls you a son or a daughter of God. We talked about that in, in length. We probably took a whole Sunday, if not parts of other Sundays, and we just talked about this uh, identity that God is a father, for, first and foremost, to human beings on planet Earth. He is a father. He has fathered all of creation. And Jesus was sent by the Father, the one and only Son of God, was sent into the earth to bring back, to win the hearts of the sons and daughters of, of God who are lost in their sins and to win them. You might think it's your choice to choose God, but actually the Bible tells us, and we spent a Sunday on this, you are chosen. Nobody can come to Jesus, Jesus said, unless the Father first draws them. So God is constantly drawing. He's constantly pulling. He's constantly setting up obstacles in people's paths so that they will, they will hear his pull. They will, they will hear his whisper, his voice to come to him. You might think that someone that you know who seems like a hopeless case, like they will never become a Christian, it could be that black metal soldier with the pentagrams and upside-down crosses tattooed all over their skin, and they're all scary and pale-looking, wearing black leather and band shirts with goats and stuff. I'm just creepy-looking. You might think, oh, I'm going to go around this way because they might try to stick me with a knife or something. That is the same person that was what I was striving to be like. And Jesus was after me. The hound of heaven was on my tail. He was chasing me down. And he's after people. So don't ever think or, or second guess that God is not on someone's life. Just pray. Just believe and ask God to continue to send the harvesters into the field. That those people, that other Christians that you may never know will come across their path. It could be a, a son or a, a daughter. It could be a neighbor or a friend, a long lost friend that you don't even see anymore. That you want to see come into the kingdom. That you want to see them set free and, and made whole by Jesus. Ask God to send harvesters around them. I guarantee you God is 70 times, 7,000 times more at work behind the scenes than you and I could probably imagine. He is after people. That, this planet is full of humans, and that is his heart, is to win them back. So you can be guaranteed that he is after people's hearts. So that's our passion, to see people come into their identity as sons and daughters of God that they would know that they've been chosen, that you don't have to fight and strive and perform to be accepted by God. Rather, he first chose you. Before you chose him, he chose you. You still get to have fun in the game. He's like, yeah, I'll let you think you chose me. I'll let you think that it was all about you going after me. 
even though the Bible says that there is no one who seeks after God, not one. But, you know, and that's in the New Testament, by the way. But So he chose you. He adopted you. You've been adopted into his family. You have received royal authority. We talked about that in, in length over and over. Uh, John 1.12 says that having believed and having received, having received him, those who believed in him, let me get it right, those who believed in him, John 1.12, those who believed in him, who received him and who believed in his name, he gave the right, and I've talked about that word over and over, exousia is that word in Greek, which means authority, regal or royal authority. So God gave those who received Jesus, you and me who are born again, regal authority. That means you wear a crown on your head. If you want to think of it that way, kings and queens rule. And we are called by God to rule and reign in this life through Christ Jesus. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. We talked about that last week. We, have, we are a bilocational people. We're here on earth in this room at 726 Lebo Boulevard, but at the same time, we are seated in heaven right now next to Jesus. And so if you feel his warmth next to you, just lean into it. I've said that before. It's true. You feel his presence sometimes, lean into it. If you feel this warmth, this like, oh, I feel your presence, Lord. Lean in, press in, because there's more. He wants to give you more. He wants to reveal more of himself to you. He wants to give you more of his life. He wants to fill your body to overflowing with his love and his power and his joy, all of the fruit of his spirit of who he is. So all of those things. Last week we talked about how those of us who get saved were automatically called into the ministry. You are now a priest. We believe as a church in the priesthood of all believers. So when you get saved, the Bible says that you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are a royal, kingly priesthood. You are a minister. So that, does, that means that you don't get to escape any responsibility and make your pastors of your church do all the ministry. I know, darn it. Here I thought I'd just have to show up and warm a chair and, you know drop a quarter in the bucket now and then and anyway that's not what God called us to be he saved you and me so that we would be a living walking breathing minister just like Jesus see he wants you to do the things Jesus did in fact he has given you power and authority to do the same miracles and same works that Jesus did we are called Christians which means little Christs or little Jesuses not saying we are God because we're not but the, the God who made us and who saved us came to live inside of you. So you carry the God of the universe <clears throat> within you. He's in your spirit. You have royal, divine DNA in your body. That means everywhere you go, everywhere your feet tread, everything that you touch, you are releasing something of heaven, whether you consciously know it or not. And when you start to become conscious of it and aware of it, you can grow in faith and release it more attentively, intentionally, and you can bring heaven into earth. You can undo the works of the devil, just like Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. Actually, Jesus didn't say that. John said that in 1 John, that the, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So you and I are sons and daughters of God. We are royalty. We have been given royal authority, and we are priests, kingly priests. We get to be the ministers of the gospel. We get to be ambassadors 
for heaven. We get to take the kingdom of heaven, which is our home away from home, and we get to kingdomize or bring, release the culture of heaven into earth everywhere we go. Sounds like a good plan. That's just part of what Jesus died for us to have. That's just a part of it. So we've talked about that. And, you know, oftentimes we hear these things and we think, but, but my life doesn't match up. How do I do it? I just got to try harder? Do I just keep trying to be like Jesus but fall down and fail over and over? I mean, how do I do this? You know, there's, there's a few things in the scriptures that, that tell us how we can grow, how we can become transformed. I love this picture. Some of you who have been around for a while will remember this. This might be how you feel your life is. You might feel like you are just, you're a giant in the spirit, but you're pinned, you're pinned down. You're just trapped. There's all of these, these things in life, these voices. You know, I like to see this picture as the description of what many of us as believers are under. We are pinned down from becoming who God truly says we are by the lies of the enemy. And so I kind of see the Lilliput people like the, the voice of the enemy trying to keep you back from who God really says you are. You know, Romans chapter 8 says, we doing okay? Yeah. Romans chapter 8, and anytime you want to grab this, just grab it. You know. I don't know why I'm giving you permission. You're the one that gave me permission to take the microphone. So. <laughs> She's the boss. So <laughs> Romans chapter 8 says that all of creation is, is groaning. The whole earth, even the planet itself, is groaning. You see an earthquake. Well, you don't see it. You feel it. Maybe you see the damage. You see a volcano. You see tornadoes. The planet earth is groaning. It is longing to be liberated from the bondage of sin that Adam brought into the earth. And if you don't think you have any relationship to Adam, you were in him the day he broke the, the promise of God, the, the day he sinned. The day Adam and Eve ate the fruit and became fallen sinners aware of their nakedness, you and I were in Adam, just like you were in your parents and your parents were in their parents. We are seeds within seeds within seeds, all the way back to the beginning. Science. Science. Anyway, so where were we going with that? I have no idea either. So... Oh, all of creation groans. All of creation is longing for freedom, for liberation. And it says in Romans 8 that, that all creation groans and waits for the sons and daughters of God to be manifested. So there's a problem. The sons and daughters of God are in hiding because we don't know. Many of us don't know who we truly are. We don't know who we carry within us. I get up in the morning, I get my day going, and I forget that Jesus is alive inside of me, and he actually wants to talk to me from the inside. He wants to speak to my heart. He wants me to open up that wonderful book called the Bible and begin to dialogue through the written word and hear his audible voice, his, his voice speaking into my spirit, that soft, still voice telling me and expounding on the things that I'm reading and helping me to see how it applies and how it's important and how those words can actually change who I am as I meditate on it. So where was I going with that? I have no idea. Exousia, is that what you said? <laughs> Exousia, authority. 
So yeah, the creation is waiting for sons and daughters of God to wake up, to be manifested on the earth, to begin walking this planet and doing the things that Jesus did, to experience the power of God and the miracles of heaven being released through your hand. If the kingdom of heaven is within you, Jesus said, those who believe in him who would receive the Holy Spirit would have the kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So wherever the Holy Spirit is moving, that is where the kingdom, the rule and reign of Christ is at. So the king's domain goes with the Holy Spirit and the kingdom or the king's domain is within you. And as it conquers territory in your body and in your mind, it gets released through you. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is at hand. It's within you and it's at hand. It's in your hand. It's at reach. And we get to release it. Jesus also said, hey, boys, please stop. Jesus also said that those who believe in him, that out of their innermost being, a river of living water would flow out of them from within, referring to the Holy Spirit, it says. So the presence of God is in you. The kingdom of heaven is in you. It's at hand, and it's actually being released from your innermost being. But the effectiveness of who God is living inside of us and who we are as ministers, as sons and daughters of God, as ambassadors for Christ, is held back by these things, these lies. So that is the picture that the enemy wants of you and me. Pinned down, trapped down, held back from being effective in this earth. This is the picture God has for you. I love this picture. If I could get a tattoo, I wouldn't get that. But it's pretty cool. Jesus died on the cross and paid the ultimate price by removing the penalty of sin and shame from all of creation. I'm not saying that everyone gets to go to heaven, but he died on the cross. The Bible says he bore the sins of the world in his body on the cross. He died for every human being's sins. So sin is no longer the issue. The issue now is not how much someone is sinning or how much they're not sinning. The penalty was nailed to the cross. The, the written debt that all of creation owed to God was nailed to the cross. He paid the price. Jesus said the last words on the cross was, it is finished. Debt paid in full. There now no longer is any penalty for sin. So what keeps people in and out of, of being with God forever and eternity? It's whether or not we receive the price that was paid. We receive the one. You either can choose to receive Jesus and become born again or reject Jesus. And we're not going to talk about what happens after death for believers and non-believers. That might be for another day. But the reality is you and I have received this gift of eternal life and there's nothing you can do to lose it you might be an awful, fleshly Christian at times. I've been there. Most of us have been there. Some of us are forever saints and perfect. You know, but <laughs> I see the halo above your head. You know, you're a <clears throat> no matter what your performance is, you need to look in the mirror every day and straighten up your crown and look at yourself and say to that person looking at you back in the mirror, you are a saint. You are a saint. You are set apart. You are a child of God, holy and dearly loved. Jesus paid the price for you in the mirror to become 
to become a child of God, to walk in the authority of heaven. So we are called by God to rule and reign in life through faith in Christ Jesus. So I said I would go into Romans 12, verse 2. We started out with, with verse 1 before we went into worship. And that's the verse that says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, that is how our spiritual act of worship is to give our bodies. In view of God's mercy, our proper response is to yield all we are to him, to give our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says, so stop imitating the ideals and op, not options, I can't read from that far away, <clears throat> excuse me, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Don't we know there's lots of opinions, there's lots of ideals all around our culture, and it comes from every direction. I'm not pointing out one source. Everyone's telling us what to believe, everyone's telling us how things should be done, and God has a word to say about that. He says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. See, the world wants to conform you and me into its idea, into its own image. And it is a, it is a pattern, it is a, it is a desire of the world system to transform you and me into something that God does not intend us to look like. But God wants us to be transformed by the Holy Spirit inwardly through a total reformation of how you think. So becoming a kingly, priestly ambassador of Christ who is walk, a son or daughter of God who is walking in the royal authority does not happen by trying harder, by just if you just beat yourself up more, if you just punish yourself more because of mistakes you made. That is not how we, we become that. We become who God says we are by being transformed in how we think. So it's thinking differently. You know, I, I won't try to get into science and stuff, but I do know and I've been taught that, and we most of us would agree, that there are these neural pathways in our brains. And when we have habits and things in our life, that are repetitious, things we do over and over and over, whether it's a good habit, like getting up early and reading your Bible and praying, or if it's a bad habit, looking at pornography or overeating or whatever it is. It could be anything. It could be whatever it is that you feel guilty about that you know you shouldn't do. When we do those things, good or bad, over and over and over, we are, we are creating grooves in our neural pathways. They're like trails. And God wants to he wants to sever some of those things. He wants to sever some of those neural pathways and reconnect them into kingdom thinking. And that happens through thinking, kingdom thinking. So, I don't know what that was. Oh, is that? Okay. So, it happens as we change the way we think, as we, are tr we become transformed by renewing our minds. Some of us in this room have gone to, to school, to higher education, and got their degree in culinary arts. How do, how do you, you know that you weren't an expert in certain areas until you learned, until you began to soak in the information and through study and meditation on the things that you didn't want to fail on the test, you got it so in you that it, now it's part of who you are. You changed, you were transformed through the renewing of your mind through your education.
So God wants to transform us through the renewing of our minds, through the written word of God, but it's not just Bible study because the, the Pharisees in the Bible that Jesus had the, the most contention with, the most uh, fighting against, they were experts in the word. They were experts in the law. But they didn't combine it with faith. They didn't move with the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the heart of the author of the book. They just had the written rules. So, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Isn't that the goal of all of us? We just want to live a life that pleases God. We don't want to get caught up in things and get taken off course from what God has for us. So going from Gulliver in the travels of being pinned down by the lily put, being trapped down by the lies, to becoming Bugs Bunny with the crown on his head, kick, kicking back knowing he's ruling and reigning in life, the answer to become what God has called you into is through mind renewal. It's between your ears. You might think that, oh, the people that you put in my life, God, they're the ones holding me back. It's, it's the husband you gave me, or, <laughs> or these children, or, or these parents, <laughs> or whatever, the job you gave me, these coworkers. My, you could go on and on. You could blame everyone and anything. But change will happen. It's, you cannot blame the people around you from holding you back. Change, transformation comes by changing what goes on between your ears. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 in the English Standard Version. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds. See, their minds are in a futile position. They are darkened in their understanding. Don't we know there are people all over this planet that are darkened in their understanding? They're trapped. They're walking in darkness. They, they need help. They need light to see where they're going. But they're darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Wow. What a, a string of things if you were to walk that backwards. When your heart starts to get hard towards God, towards the things of God, then your understanding, it alienates you from his life, and your understanding becomes dark, and then your mind becomes futile, futile, futility. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. If it feels good, do it. See, nothing in the world is making sense. My, my life feels like there's darkness all around. I don't see any light, so I might as well make the best of it and do what feels good. They have given themselves up to, the, to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And that is exactly the culture we're living in right now. <clears throat> Christians around the world, the, the prayer warriors, are praying for a great awakening in our country, that the Spirit of God would be poured out on our nation, 
on the United States of America to bring this country into an awakening out of darkness and back into God's original intent for this nation. This nation had a founding. When those first people, I know this is a little side trail and I won't go deep into that, but when those first pilgrims came over on the Mayflower and they put a cross into the dirt, they made declarations over the land that this land would be a land where the gospel would go forth from one corner to the other and from this nation the gospel would go into all of the earth. And God blessed that. And that is what made this nation, the founding of this nation, to become what it is today. The most powerful, the most benevolent, the most caring and giving nation on the earth. And I don't think anyone in this room would disagree with me. We all know people that wanted to come here, right? Because places outside of the United States are a lot worse. That this is the land of the free. There's freedom here. And once you get here, if you weren't, weren't here all your life, you realize, well, there's some problems. And the answer to the problems isn't destroying this place and rebuilding it in some worldly image. It is going back to what God's original intent was for this earth and for this nation, that a great awakening would sweep across this land, an awakening of people coming out of their darkness and into the light. So that's all I'll say on that. Okay, <clears throat> like the, yeah, like the Azusa Street Revival, like, yeah, I don't know all the names of the revivals off the top of my head, but, but that's a good, yep, yeah, Toronto in 1994, so there's, you can read up about all the different revivals, but read about the great awakenings in this country, what God did. This country has seen other dark days, and God did mighty moves across this nation. So this is continuing on in Ephesians chapter 4. So we, we read that you know, people are darkened in their understanding, their hearts become hard, they, they stumble around in darkness and the futility of thinking. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. See, some of us as Christians, we, we get stuck in going back to the old life, like falling into the same patterns of how we used to be before we were saved. But God is, he is so good and patient. He does not get angry with you. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He's patient. He's kind. He's just working with you. And his one focus is to change you from glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus. Not to disqualify you because of your mistakes, but to help you stand back up when you fall down and continue pursuing a relationship with him and walking in his peace and in his power. So that's not how you... you, you ah, I'm going to start speaking in tongues. <clears throat> I'm trying to jump ahead here. So the blue words there, put off your old self. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires... Okay, so again, we go back to the desires, fleshly cravings, you know. The old life was corrupted because of desires that were for the wrong thing. So we're told to put off that old self. Romans says, consider yourself dead. Consider that person a dead man. Reckon yourself. It's the, the, some versions say, the NIV says, reckon yourself dead to sin. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So we put off the old 
patterns, the old habits, and we want to be renewed in the way we think, in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that's God's plan. There's a putting off and a putting on. We know that it's in the, it, it takes place in the thinking. But it's not just, so I, I was saying, it's not just learning principles. It's not just being taught who you are or how the change happens. Here's where it actually happens, and it's what we were doing earlier. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the the transformation comes through renewing your mind, but the transformation also comes from the Holy Spirit transforming you as you behold him. So we, we learn the truth. Jesus said, if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. But the Holy Spirit, who is on the truth, he, he is the author of the book, takes the, the truth of God's word and brings it to life inside of us and inside of our thinking as we worship him, as we behold him, as we turn our, our eyes of our hearts and our minds towards heaven. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, set your hearts and set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we get to choose to have a mind set. So the question, I guess, today would be, where are we setting our minds? Where are you setting your mind? Is your mind set on something in the past? Um, in the past could be just yesterday, and, and yesterday has some very powerful effects that we, we are affected by. Whether it's something that, that Laura went through yesterday by being at the mall in Tukwila where there's a shooting, or being in a car accident, or for instance, Emily a while back about ready to drive her motorcycle off the edge of a cliff and her angel glitch. Okay, dirt bike off the edge of a... Her, her dirt bike, she was going so fast and she couldn't turn in time and she screamed out for God to, no! And something happened. Someone behind her said, it was like a glitch. So I call the angel glitch because the angel glitch came and for some reason she was aimed one direction and was aimed a whole other direction. Now that's just me rewording it. She could tell you the story. That trauma from that day, from yesterday, what I experienced in a church in the past, what I went through with people who were mean to me or who said hurtful things, when all of the things I could look back at, how I was raised, how maybe I wasn't um, taken care of the way I wanted to be taken care of, or maybe I felt neglected, or maybe I felt like I didn't have all I should have had in life. Maybe others were favored more than I was. You can make a huge list. We could focus on what is behind us, and we can get caught up in the things of the past. But God is calling us to turn our attention forward, to forget what is behind, and press on towards the goal in Christ Jesus, for, by which God has called us heavenward. So we can get stuck in the past, or we can let go. It takes a letting go and a shift of perspective. 
probably so many times when we're like, how do I get rid of this? Or I don't know what to do now. Or having a hard time letting go of things. So much of that would be answered if we just spend time with God. Just get in his presence. Get into worship. Um, spend time in his word. Just be with him. And so many times he will just tell us right then and there. Like, hey, this is what you need to do. And instead of, and it's not bad that you go to, if someone goes to counseling, but I think so many things would be solved if we would just spend time with him and listen, just stop talking and listen to what our father has to say. And he's going to give us those answers instead of always running to people and what do I do? What do I do about this? What do I do about that? Um, Go ask God. He will tell you. Not that there's not, there's always a time and a place for wisdom from other people. Um, there's always a time and a place for counseling. Um, but so many things I think could be resolved if we just quiet ourselves before him and just hear what he has to say. I would, would add to that. I would just say that, you know, hearing the voice of God comes through obviously reading the Bible. And thank God we're, uh, we're living in a time, every, not everyone had the Bible. So not everyone had the written word of God to read. So how did the early church do it? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which were limited. They had a few letters written by the apostles. They, they didn't all have the scrolls from the temple, although I guess they could have gone to the, to the synagogue and listened to the scriptures being read. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and they surrounded themselves with each other, devoting themselves to fellowship and breaking bread. And they prayed. So you can hear God by talking to him yourself, and you can hear God by, by searching through scriptures, and you can hear God through your brothers and sisters in Christ because he will use us to speak encouragement and, and edification and building up to one another. So it's, it's all, it all plays together. Yeah, meditate on the word of God. Yeah, Meditating on the word of God just means you're, you're chewing on it. You're rolling it over. You're taking the truth of what God is saying. And you might need to hear a certain verse that is going against what you're experiencing, but you know you need to, to trade off what you're experiencing for that truth. Take the word of God. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Roll it over in your mind and begin to speak it out. Speak it over your circumstances. So, yeah, that's good. So we're going to move really quickly because I want to hit one last thing. So... Just try to ignore what you read up there. Okay, so you can take a quick read. Now ignore it. No, we're not going to ignore it. May the God of hope fill you. So Paul prayed. That sounds like I'm mad. I'm not. Paul said in Romans 15, this is actually a prayer, I would say. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of hope wants to fill you with joy and peace. He wants to give you who he is, hope and joy, and peace, and much more, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What is hope? Hope is the confident, joyful expectation that good is coming. That is what hope is. We need hope. Does that mean that we're just believing for something that maybe isn't going to happen? It's possible, but I would rather be be optimistic. It's an overall optimistic attitude. I would rather have an optimistic attitude and be wrong occasionally, but have a hopeful, joyful, 
experience along the way than to just think everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket and why even try to believe for good things. Hope is the confident, joyful expectation that good is coming. Good is coming. That is what God is calling us to do, to begin to believe in his goodness, that he has good things, that he's actually working that bad situation out for your good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. It's an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. If you believe that God is good, then you have permission to be hopeless about anything he is hopeless about. You've got permission If you believe that he is a good God, then you have permission. If he's hopeless about it, then you have permission too. We're going to move on to this one. I love this quote. Every area of life that does not glisten with hope reveals that you're believing a lie in that area. Think back to the picture of Gulliver and the Lilliputs. The lies holding him down. If you're not glistening with hope, if you're not abounding in hope, glowing with hope because you are convinced and you're walking in the goodness of God about your future, then you must be believing a lie in that area that you're hopeless about. And that area is a stronghold of the devil. See, the devil wants to create strongholds in your thinking. He wants to build a castle in your mind that he can hide behind and operate behind where he can exert his kingdom, his dark domain into your life and through your thinking, permeating and going against what God wants to do inside of you. It's a good book. I never read it, but I heard it's a good book. Francis Frangipan, Three Battlefields. We're going to take a look at this really quick, and we're going to end with this last scripture. So I would say that there are four main key areas of our lives that lies tend to take root in, and it's our belief system. The things that we believe about God, is God an angry God, punishing God? Does he send cancer to punish people because of their naughtiness? Does he send tsunamis to wipe out a nation because they're just evil? Or is God good? We need to represent, we need to represent the true nature of God. And we have permission to represent him in what the scripture tells us. And the Bible tells us that he is good, that he is kind, that he is merciful, that he does not do sin and evil. He's not an evil God. What about beliefs about yourself when you look in the mirror and you tell yourself, oh, what a failure, I'm never going to be you know, a glowing Christian because of all the stuff that I fall into. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this or that, and I'm, I'm never going to be smart enough to have a job that pays a lot of money. You make a big list. Or your beliefs about others. They really don't like me. I think they're trying to do things to hurt, to hurt me, to actually keep me from enjoying life. I don't think they have my best interest in their minds. We could create all kinds of beliefs all kinds of lies we can believe about what God is like, what ourselves are, what God is saying about us, but that we're disagreeing with and we're saying, no, my opinion about me is actually more accurate, God, or what other people believe about us, or about your circumstances. Well, things never go right for me. Yeah, well, you know, my life just always ends up sucking all the way, so I might as well just make the best of it and get drunk tonight, you know. Whatever, it, there's always things that, that we can allow to take root into our thinking that are, that are sourced from lies from the enemy that become strongholds. 
and what Tammy was saying fits right in here. You, we, you and I, need to ask God. I would guarantee every person in this room, if you want to ask God tonight, God, is there anybody I need to forgive? You may not hear an audible voice, but I guarantee you, you will get a name. Someone will come to mind. And I would promise you that that is God speaking to you. That is God's way of showing you how he speaks. He may speak to you through a sensation, or you might actually hear, or you might see. Hearing God, for some of us, is seeing. We get a picture. We get a, a little vision of something. Some of us hear God through all of those different avenues. So we're going to close with the scripture. It's come to that. You guys okay? Everybody okay? Is this bad? Am I going way too long? Okay, well then I'm going to take another half hour if you don't mind. <laughs> Emily's like, he's full of it. <clears throat> okay, so this is the scripture we'll close with. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Aha, we don't need to throw Molotov cocktails. We don't need to take bricks and cans of food in a pillowcase and go against our enemies and whack them upside the head wearing all black. We are not Christian Antifa. That's not our weapons. We don't fight that way. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. You think superheroes are cool, that the Marvel people like Captain America and Hulk, you think they're cool and they're just like made up in someone's imagination and put on film? We have divine power. We have been given divine power, Holy Spirit power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living within you. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Why don't we stand up? So we're going to finish this off with this, this thought. We all have strongholds in our thinking. Okay, we're going to be working at this stuff probably for the rest of our lives. That doesn't mean that it's going to look ugly for the rest of your life. It just means that there's always going to be something that God is going to be working on inside of your thinking. Stinking thinking. God wants to take the stinking thinking and he wants to pull out like a Lego, like a building block. He wants to pluck out the lie and he wants to replace it with truth. And the more of those truth Legos that get built into your thinking and become kingdom strongholds, the more powerful and effective we will be in walking on this planet and, and exerting the authority and the power, the exousia, I say it wrong every time, the exousia, the authority, and the dunamis, the power, the dynamite power, just like Jesus did, we can grow in our authority and power as our thinking becomes transformed and we exercise our faith based on what God is speaking to us through the truth. So we demolish arguments and every pretension. A pret I had to look it up. What's a pretension? Hypertension? Pretension is a lofty opinion. Don't we know there's many lofty opinions out there? You and I have divine power to destroy strongholds. We get to demolish arguments. We get to break down every lofty opinion that sets sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
Now, this isn't about going out to people, getting in their face, and trying to take captive all of their thoughts. But I believe that that is part of what this is saying. But not like going up and getting in people's face. I, I believe that it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We have divine power. When the kingdom of God is manifested, when you lay hands on someone in, who may not know Jesus and you ask them, can I pray for you? And they say, why not? And all of a sudden, as you're praying a gentle, mild prayer, they begin to feel something sh- causing them to shake. Or they begin to feel hot all over their body. Or they begin to get electric, uh, electrical, electricity. I was going to say electricity and electrical at the same time. Electrical. <laughs> they might start to feel tingling or sensation. They might start to feel weightiness. The presence of God that you carry will come upon them. And we owe the world an encounter with the one who lives inside of us. You owe yourself, let alone the world, you owe yourself and your friends and family an encounter with God through your life. It's not just for them out there. This is for you to walk in for your own pleasure and enjoyment of God himself, but also to bless those around you, especially those who live with you in the same house.